Minus 15. Respect all, fear none. Into the upper deck. Intensity is not a perfume. Oh, mercy! Five, four, three, two, one. From inside the warehouse at Oriole Park at Camden Yard, it's, it is the Mass and All Access podcast. Paul Mancano and Bobby Blanco, your usual hosts, and now joined by the man of MassInSports.com, Rock Kabako. Rock, thanks so much for joining us. My pleasure. I happen yeah, to be Rock. here anyway. I sound yeah. like I, but still, I'm glad to be here. It's been an exciting day, though. It's it a has. Fun day. It's a fun day to work. Yes. Uh, some concert announcements from the Orioles. Billy Joel coming to oh. Oriole Park, Camden Yard, the first ever concert at Camden Yard. You may be right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what's your favorite Billy Joel song? Uh, oh, that's a good question. Um... I like some of the ballady stuff. I'm going to lose my man card. That's, <laughs> you know, that's totally fine. Yeah. Always a woman to me. Uh, yeah. you know, Billy Joel is the exception, I feel yeah, like. Yeah, I think you're allowed to do that. Yeah. Uh, but you know the one I like the most? The, the down something, Alexa, down. Uh-huh. You know what I'm talking about. Uh, Look it up. I'm a very much down. A not the downtown. Down something, y. Alexa. Uh, it's uh, it's out, That's probably my favorite one. You think gotcha. I would at least know? The exact name of it, but yeah. that's definitely it. Having not grown up in the age of Billy Joel, kind of only knowing bald Billy Joel, uh, I feel like I've uh, down Easter Alexa. Yeah, I think that's is that it. it. Yeah, Bobby can look that up. I, I don't I know if it's quite a quite a font of knowledge, but <laughs> where do you? Uh, so, how do you think that concert is going to go? First of all, do you think? I'm guessing they're going to put them in center field. It's gonna, I would think so. It's going to yeah. be a new new uh, era, I guess. Yeah, I can hear the beads of sweat forming on Nicole Sherry's forehead. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah. Well, I mean, in the past, one of the main reasons they didn't do this is mm-hmm. there were concerns about the field. And, right. you know, Peter Angelos, when, you know, he was in charge of the day-to-day operations, did not want concerts here. Now, of course, it's John and Louis Angelos who are handling the day-to-day things. And, you know, a lot of things are heading in a new direction with this organization. And this yeah. is one of them. And, and you know, John said today he's confident the field's going to be fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the people putting on the concert have done this before, so they kind of know how to do this without destroying a field. And right. Nicole's really good. And they'll be in the middle of a West Coast trip at that time. I think there'll be a nice yeah, period of LA. time to kind of recover. Yeah. yeah. They'll, it'll, they'll be in Anaheim for like the second of three legs of the city. It's also Arizona, San Diego. Yeah. And I'm sure an off day in there. So... They should be okay, but it's going to be capacity 37,000, we're told. Okay. Uh, but it's going to be strange because they haven't done that here. And, I mean, yeah. they, were, they had a chance with Van Halen at one point at 2004, and that fell through. There were Jimmy Buffett rumors that didn't happen <laughs> that I'm told he still references. Or he referenced that year at a concert somewhere else, maybe in Boston. He, w- he was supposed to do Baltimore. It didn't happen. It just feels like they weren't comfortable to do that. Now, yeah. of course, they have the pre- and post mini sets of right. performers yeah. but this is a much bigger deal yeah so orioles will be in la facing the angels july 26 rock you gonna be on that trip or are you shipping off molesky to la and <laughs> bringing the friends and fam to the concert Just to come, well you know the thing is it's a three-city trip so i think we're both going to be on the west coast okay. i mean it could be where i do arizona he does Anaheim, and then I take San Diego from him because I'm a jerk. <laughs> or, uh, we're still deciding. Oh, you have to go to San Diego, you poor thing. Yeah, there's San yeah. Diego after that. For two games, I mean, that's all. But yeah. I think it would probably make more sense for one of us to do Arizona and the other to do the other two cities. 
But I don't know. I think we're going to somehow divvy that up. I may even turn that into a mini vacation. I've done nice. that in the past where I've stayed. Like San Diego a couple of years ago, my girlfriend and I stayed out there mm-hmm. and made it more of an extended trip. So nice. I don't think either one of us are going to be available for the concert. So you're yeah. saying Paul and I get your tickets? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Wait, you're saying I get tickets? Let's back yeah. up. Yeah, yeah, I you know, you're say... Rockabaka. I'm assuming you oh, get tickets. Oh, oh, oh okay. Yeah. That's going to cost you. <laughs> you have a better chance than either one of us. So. Yeah, this is true. At, at, at least I figure we can sneak up into the web studio and watch it from the fifth floor. Well, we have to. Open we have to work the, the game. It was a 10 o'clock game that night. Oh, we we had to be up there. This is a good point. Wow. All of this is working perfectly. All right. That's not the only news that has followed the Orioles over the past couple weeks. They've also made some additions to their coaching staff. And, Rock, you have been on top of all this stuff. We keep ask, getting the question of when are they going to finally fill that coaching staff? Who's going to be in what positions? We've heard some names, but we don't know exactly where guys are going to fit just yet. Right. That's the problem more than anything is that we're making some assumptions with some of these guys, mm-hmm. but we don't know for sure, oh, you're at third, you're at first. For example, two of the guys – that have been confirmed that are going to be joining the staff. This mm-hmm. is confirmed by the media. The Orioles aren't confirming anything. They're okay. going to wait till they have everybody. But two of them are first-base coaches most recently. Okay. Well, you can only fit one guy in that yeah. point. Right. So someone might end up at third or somebody might end up as the bench coach. Like, we really don't know at this point. Right. I'm always told it should be fairly soon. Like, they're wrapping up this process. Okay. Uh, and, you know, it's like the former Reds hitting coach Don Long, I assume, would be the hitting coach yeah. for the Orioles. Uh, and then also former Red Sox first base coach, he's the outfield instructor, Arnie Baylor, is another name that I got confirmed yesterday. So we know at least, okay, he'll replace Wayne Kirby working with the outfielders. Okay. Yeah. But is he a first base coach? Is he a bench coach? I don't know. I mean, he's got managing experience in the past. Uh, Tim Cousins, we know, will place John Russell working with the catchers. He's mm-hmm. the catching guru, but I don't know where you put him. And then we have Jose Flores, who's a former Phillies first base coach, I believe infield instructor, who would replace – Bobby Dickerson in that role as far as infield, but again, don't know where he's going to be positioned. And then again, I've heard from multiple sources, John Wasson, who was the minor league pitching coordinator, was offered the bullpen job, but I don't know whether he's accepted it. I don't know why you wouldn't. Yeah. If, it's, if that's your choice is do that or don't do anything for right. us, if that you know, I think you would take that. Right. But that also, I mean, not confirmed at this point. So I think fairly soon they'll have the rest of the staff because, again, you need pitching coach, you need assistant hitting coach. Yeah. So I guess you'd go have seven guys, and we, are, we have confirmed four, feel pretty good about five. What do you feel? How do you feel about how Brandon Hyde and Michael Elias have approached this process from the start? Because Paul and I have talked on the podcast before, well, the Orioles as an organization, they took their time, but we didn't know a lot of information from the early onset of this right. process. And now things are kind of starting to roll. Obviously, they hired Sigma Dell, now Brandon Hyde, nothing other coaching. How do you feel like they're approaching this mm-hmm. process in terms of getting the guys that they want to bring in? Yeah, this and Kobe Perez was a big one yeah. international. I just wish they were a little more open about what they're doing. Like, hey, Rock, here's our latest moves, and yeah. you're the only one we're telling. But they don't do that, yeah. strangely. They're not giving me anything. Yeah. But that's how we figured they were going to operate. I mean, the whole process of hiring Michael Elias was that it was a very tight lid kept on that entire thing. Yeah. And then Elias is search for the manager the we know how that went yeah we know how that went and then you know other teams will confirm we just completed our interview with so-and-so the orioles don't do that yeah uh so you had to wait for names to start leaking out and there were six of them uh so they're, they're certainly doing things quietly but you're right they're bringing in their people it's not going to be any of the former oriole coaches on the staff there was i got a vibe that bobby dickerson had an opportunity and then that yeah. ended up not working out and at this point, there won't be there won't be a single coach from that staff on a major league staff 
this coming season, wow. which is odd. I know it's 115 losses, but is yeah. that big a stigma? Is it that the process started so late right. that jobs are already taken? I mean, the Rays, who have not won anything, they've got two of their coaches are now managers elsewhere. Yeah. And this staff that's had winning seasons three or went to the playoffs three yeah. of six years, yeah. can't get a major league job. So right. that's odd. But anyway, but they are bringing in and it makes sense. You, you know, you start over. It's a tear down before it becomes a rebuild and you want to bring in your own people and they're not rushing the process. Yeah. And they've said they weren't going to. I was under the impression, man, it is going to be kind of hit the ground running. you got a lot of ground to make up. And they're basically like, especially with Mike Elias, we're not in a rush to replace the farm director or the scouting director. We've yeah. got people in place already, holdovers, who can kind of hold down the fort. But he's going to oversee all this yeah. stuff, including the draft. That's his background. He's got a background in player development scouting. And they feel good about the people that are here, and they'll add a few. They'll build up the analytics department slowly. They'll yeah. build up international scouting slowly. It's not going to happen overnight. But anybody that thought it was just going to be a flurry of moves and hires, right. that's not happening. Speaking of the international scouting and that mm -hmm. building up slowly, them hiring Kobe Perez will certainly help right. in that department. But we already know Mike Elias comes in with his own information and knowledge about the international right. scouting market. How much do you think, and it, it, they still have six, seven months until the international scout, the new cycle turns over right. and they're able to sign all these guys. But do you think Mike Elias and Kobe Perez are kind of taking the guys that they already know placing calls to them and saying, hey, we changed teams, but you should come over to Baltimore instead yeah. of Houston or come over to Baltimore right. instead of Philly or wherever. Right. Um, do you think that is happening at all? Do you think they have already have a leg up in that area? Yeah, I, the only thing is, though, at this point, you, it's kind of hard to rate other teams mm -hmm. when you're this far along in the offseason where I don't right. know if many teams are going to get permission, hey, take who you want from our department. Yeah, yeah. So that may be one of those things where they might try and add a little here and there, but just have to wait till this next season ends. Right. And then they can go ahead. And, uh, and in, in the meantime, and I think Perez said this, that, you know, he's got Calvin Maduro as a holdover here, the only Latin American scout they have based in the U.S. And uh, Luis Noel, former minor league pitcher, is based in the Dominican. And, mm -hmm. and Mike Snyder really handles the Pacific Rim. And they don't have many other people at this point. Yeah. They feel like that's enough for now. And then you're going to slowly start building. But they, So I'm sure they probably have put out some feelers. I just don't know how much freedom they have to bring in all these people that they are going to want yeah. when it's already January. Right. Uh, and again, Mike is very confident in his background as well. But Perez is a guy who lived in the Dominican and, you know, he worked in the Indians organization, Phillies and, you know, his background. He's, he's got so many contacts already, which you have to have internationally. Yeah. You can't just say we're going to get more involved yeah. and we're even going to spend more money if you don't have any contacts. <laughs> you know, people are like, well, who are you? You yeah, know, yeah. You know you so he has that. That's a huge advantage for them. But it's still going to be a bit of a process. But this also is an example of how Mike is making these hires and letting his people do their jobs. He's not going to SIG and say, wait, I got this analytics thing, SIG, step aside. Yeah, yeah. NASA, whatever, I got this. <laughs> he's not going to go to Kobe and say, look, I know a little bit about the Dominican too in Latin America. I mean, he's letting these guys do their thing, That's which good. is good because he has so much on his plate anyway. Yeah. You got to. He's bringing in his people. You got to trust them then to do their job. Yeah. From the coaching bench to the field, obviously this roster isn't totally set or complete just yet, but how Let's does... Let's hope not. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> how does, like the process of still trying to complete the coaching staff affect their uh, Michael Elias's pursuit of free agents or trying to go at, I mean, obviously the Orioles are not going to be big in on any of the big name free agents, mm -hmm. but 
How does this kind of slow down their process in terms of trying to get other guys to fill out this roster for spring training and yeah. opening day? Well, you, you definitely had a multitask, but I think Hyde is doing most of the heavy lifting with coaches, although we are told it's a collaborative effort. So right. I'm sure it's constant contact with Mike. It seems like Brandon Hyde is doing most of that heavy lifting there, which is freeing up Mike for some other things. But, you know, he's already said that they're going to be slow and late entering the free agent market. I think it's more likely you might see them try and swing some trades. And plus what we've been seeing already, they've added some guys, minor league deals. Uh, Austin Bryce was on the put on the 40. Uh, but for the most part, you're going to see little things here. Some have, have broken. Some have probably been done that we don't even know about yet. But I think the bigger free agent stuff is going to be later. And by yeah. bigger, I don't mean anything that rhymes with Chahado or LARPer, but, you know, <laughs> or even anything close to that. Yep. But there will be some more activity in free agency later. But I think for now, they're probably kind of looking at trades. And they were doing that in the winter meetings, too. I mean, they talked to some clubs about Alex Cobb, for example, and I'm sure there have been others. They're currently still talking to Caleb Joseph's representative about possibly coming back. Those talks have not broken down. It's not like they haven't had any contact since he was non-tendered when they were negotiating up to that deadline. Mm -hmm. So he's still a possibility. But I think there's going to be – the roster will start taking shape more so later – which is what we're used to anyway. Yeah. Dan Duquette used to sign guys in February and March. So this, right. even though he's gone, it's going to be, I think, a lot of the yeah. same where they're going to go into spring training still having some business to do. That's interesting that they are still talking to Caleb Joseph. And I think that's good news for a lot of Orioles fans because mm-hmm. they're not going to know too many names and faces on this team. Right. To get somebody back that they at least do know and who has been here before. Give him a bobblehead. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, get him on stage with Billy Joel. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, and you mentioned the Alex Cobb rumors. You wrote about that this morning about whether he is a candidate to be dealt or whether they want to keep him and use him to bolster that rotation. Obviously, did not have a very good year last year, right. but his second half was a whole lot better. But he's got over $40 million, $43 million left on that right. contract. That's a lot for a team to take on, especially if they're giving up young talent. Do you think that he needs to show that he can get back to the guy that we saw more in Tampa before he can be dealt? Do you think he needs to get that kind of that trade value back up? Or do you think... Right now, he's a candidate who could go whenever. I mean, I think his second half probably left some people encouraged that he could be the guy that they would like to add. But I think the Orioles would have to absorb some salary. And I know they talked about that at the winter meetings. Whatever the total would be in each of those next three years, it brings you to the $43 And I think it would be easier to swing that deal than if you tell a club, look, we'll eat this much of this, Mm -hmm. of this $43 million. Uh, you know, when he was in free agency, I think it was the Rangers had a three-year offer out there, and that's why the Orioles went four. So giving Alex Cobb three years wasn't considered outrageous right. last winter. And, you know, you kind of throw out that first half because he got such a late start. He didn't have a feel for the split change. Once he got it, you saw how effective he was. You kind of, it's eye-opening. You start reviewing the numbers. It's like, wow, this guy was actually really good in the second half. They didn't give much run support. Yeah. Uh, but then, of course, he had the blister issue, and you have to hope that that's not going to be a recurring thing. So I think... If they really were move, motivated to move him, they could do that by getting kind of creative with how much money they ate. The debate, which I talk, touched on today, though, is, is that a wise thing to do or not? And to me, it's kind of like, look, I can see how a guy like this would fit in a rebuild when it doesn't seem like on the surface it would. It's like a veteran owed $43 million, But you still need an anchor for a rotation. And Bundy has not proven right now that he's ready for a full season to do that. Casher's got one more year left. And is he really that guy? I mean, Cobb's a guy that can give you the best chance every five days at least to win. And Brandon Hyde said, we're going to try and be competitive. I don't believe in a rebuild. Of course he should say that. Brandon right. Hyde's not yeah. going to walk in a clubhouse first day of spring training and go, guys, 
wow, this is going to get ugly. Like, you're, you're going to be, like, you know, yeah. encouraging and saying we're going to compete. Yeah. And Alex Cobb gives you that best chance. And then, let's face it, there might be a chance to flip him later. Mm-hmm. You get, But I, I don't think there's, like, this major rush where you got to just dump this guy. But yeah. no one's untouchable. So yeah. if somebody comes to you and makes you a satisfactory offer and the money works for you, then you do that as well because maybe some pieces that you get can speed up this process, yeah. and whether it's filling some depth, whether you get a young pitcher in return, whatever. Maybe he becomes more attractive at the deadline if he has a great first half. Now he's got two and a half years left on that contract. Yeah. But I think either way, the Orioles would have to absorb some of that salary, and I think they'd be willing to do that. The curious case of Cobb on the School of Rock on MassInSports.com. You also mention people who will say, well, the Orioles are going to lose with or without Cobb. Mm-hmm. What do you say to those people? That's probably true. Maybe they lose less, though, with Cobb. Does yeah. that matter or not? I know it might not matter to some people, right. but I mean, how, yeah, I mean how many p- kids can you just throw in the deep end of the pool yeah. and say, you know what, well, let's just take all the young pitchers and just throw them out there every five days? And, because then it could get really ugly and you could stunt their development. Yeah. And it's not like they've got top pitching prospects right now who are all beating down the door. Some of the more intriguing ones are still going to be in the minors. Yeah. Uh, you know, you, if you want to go ahead and, and just say, fine, we'll put Hess and Ramirez and Yacobonis and Roger, whoever, you can do that. But then you're probably going to be less competitive when you're still trying to be. He can be a leader for that staff. And you do want a guy who can take some of the burden off the bullpen and maybe on the offense if it goes to another slump, if he's a guy that can go out there and only give up a run or so and give you a better chance to win. I just think it's important to have some anchor in that rotation yeah. so you're just not – floundering here if Bundy struggles again and assuming he isn't traded Kashner you know uh, I just think Cobb gives you the best chance to be competitive and to win some games so again that's why I think I can see where it would make sense to hold on to him Mm. and I don't think that salary kills you they've cleared quite a bit already and they're not going to spend big anyway but again if somebody comes up and says look we want this guy here's what we'll give you we need you to do this for us and it makes sense you go ahead and do it yeah and it's interesting because I think a lot of fans look at this and say, you want, for a rebuild, especially with the Astros, they lost 100 games three straight years. I mean, you're looking to get near the top of the draft, and, mm-hmm. you know, that will definitely help you build that talent. Right. And people will say, oh, I, I guess we don't, you know, we shouldn't have a veteran who's going to win us more games when that's not our objective. And ruin the draft pick. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But we saw last year that a, ta- a team that had legitimate MLB talent can still lose a lot of games. Sure. So, I mean, it's it's not like, you know, if he goes out there and he's the veteran leader that you need to be and he gets some wins, maybe gets 15 wins, that still might not be nearly enough to get you out of the basement of, mm-hmm. of Major League Baseball. Right. And But maybe it helps in the development of other pitchers right. who aren't being rushed or can learn from him. I mean, there's just so many different ways to look at it. You're yeah. right. It's kind of, you know, again, you're right. Like, what good does it do? All right, so he's a 15-game winner. You're still in last place. Yeah, And exactly. that's true. And then you can kind of flip the other way and, and talk about how the benefits of having somebody like that. Mm. Uh, I've heard people say, look, you have to have some names. Like, who's going to come to the ballpark if you don't have named guys? <laughs> right. And I'm like, well, attendance really dipped last year. And there was Machado, yeah. Jones. Yeah. Co- like, you Everybody had names last year. Yeah, scope and people weren't coming after yeah. a while. The team was struggling so badly. I'm sure there are other factors, and the weather was a mess, but whatever. But it's not like you're, you're going to drop from $3 million to whatever because you don't have enough big names. Right. I mean, and maybe more people are going to be intrigued Let's you know, because they're on board with what this club's trying to do, want to be supportive, want to see some of the kids. Yeah. So maybe you come out for that reason. But So 
there are arguments going to be on both sides, yeah. but I just I just think that you have to be careful of just unloading and stripping down a car till it's just like the rusty frame, yeah. and say, well, we're rebuilding anyway, because then you're putting out a really really bad product and. You think it can't get worse? 115 losses. They play 162 games, <laughs> so the math tells me that it could get worse. Yeah, in and we don't want that. Yes, yeah. in theory. Uh, let's move over to shortstop. That's probably one of the bigger holes the Orioles need to fill on their roster. Uh, obviously, Jonathan VR could play shortstop, but I figured the Orioles prefer him at second base. Do you see them moving forward with one of the two Rule 5 infielders they picked up or going to get someone else? I think they're still open to looking for somebody else. I mean, it's nice to have Martin. I think he's got to make the team as your Rule 5. I yeah. mean, his, his plus defense, the bat is trending upward. Yeah, it's yeah. the guy you took, so you're not going to give him back. But if you're not quite sure whether is he ready to be the everyday shortstop, you want to have some insurance. Yeah. Have somebody that's flex, that can move around the middle of the infield uh, just in case. I still think it makes more sense to have VR at second. But I know that Freddie Galvis and Jose Iglesias were two guys that they kind of did their homework on at the winter meetings to decide, all right, is this feasible? So they, even though they knew who they were going to take with uh, Martin, they still were looking for veteran shortstops. And I don't think they're going to go after either one of those guys, Galvis, because I think he's going to end up out of their price range, they believe. But, but they're still going to be seeing all right, what's still out there on the market to have somebody in case – Martin isn't ready, and if he is fantastic, then you got to, that guy can then the veteran guy can kind of work his way in and be flipped later, right? Uh, and and gives you some insurance because it's going to be tough to carry a guy all year like that, and you're going to want to do that, so you're going to want to protect him somewhat. Yeah. But uh, but they are going to still look for a veteran middle infielder, preferably somebody that can play shortstop because VR really is better suited for second, I think. And another veteran that they have currently on the roster in a position that they don't really need him is Mark Trumbo, uh, who right. has a couple things working against him, and you've written about that is mm-hmm. in terms of whether he is going to be like Alex Cobb, the veteran that stays on this team right. and sees it through its rebuild and helps to uh, you know give encouragement and advice to the younger guys, or whether he is going to be dealt immediately the, the second they see he's healthy they mm-hmm. could they could go out and deal him right. he said all the right things in terms of you know um I, I can help out i can be a good voice in the clubhouse but do you think that he i i would guess and bobby can probably agree that he is more likely to be dealt while he has any value while they mm-hmm. once he proves that he's healthy would you see the same future for him sure i mean i'm sure if he hadn't had the surgery they would have been pushing hard to move him in the off season yeah when you're left on his deal and maybe they would have been able to do that but then it was impossible after that surgery because yeah. they're still uncertain if he's even going to be ready opening day you know when i talked to him he's like you know that's obviously the goal i'd be thrilled but you know, this is a very serious type procedure, and I think Pedroia had something similar mm-hmm. and then played in three games this past season. So he's like, yeah, he just wants to be able to play again at yeah. this point. So my, you know, ready opening day? Well, we hope. But he, yeah. he wasn't as optimistic sounding as Richard Blyer was from his June lat surgery. But, yeah, you're right. If he gets to the point where he's healthy and then he's got to show that he's still productive, that yeah. he can get back to how he maybe was a few years ago, then there's a market for him. Ideally, again, trade ship at the deadline take this veteran slugger for the last few months the Orioles would love to be able to do that whatever you would get for him at that point because yeah otherwise how does he fit well he is a leader and you do need to fill out a lineup Mm -hmm. and you'd like to have somebody in the middle of the order who can be a run producer especially if Chris Davis can't get back to that so I mean there's again there's a spot for a guy like Trumbo in a rebuild just like there is for a guy like Cobb you can make those arguments but certainly if they're able to move Trumbo they will do that it's a final year of his deal and they would gladly go ahead and do that. He needs to get back to being healthy. And then he's got to decide later if he wants to continue his career or not. But certainly, right. per, in a perfect world for the Orioles, he is a trade chip in July. Yeah. 
Any other uh, roster holes that stick out to you that we haven't touched on yet? Uh, we don't know who's playing right field, and we're <laughs> assuming that Trey stays in left. We're assuming Cedric Mullen stays in center. I mean, right. you know, it was a much There's so easier. much assuming. There's a lot, and yeah. you know what happens when you do that. <laughs> but it was so much easier to kind of try and read what the club was going to do before the turnover. Like, I knew what Buck was thinking. Right. I knew what Dan was thinking. I knew what Brian Graham was thinking. Well, I don't know what these guys are thinking. <laughs> yeah. You know, so now it's like, oh, bets are off, so yeah. I'm trying to guess along. They may look at Cedric Mullins and say, I don't think he's not quite yeah, he's, ready yet, or maybe we'd rather have him as a fourth outfielder. Right. Whereas the old regime, he was going to be the center fielder every day. Yeah. So I don't know if that changes. So, But we know at least one spot in the outfit. We don't know if Nunez and Ruiz are going to platoon at third base, if it's one or the other, if it's either one of them. Mm-hmm. And uh, Davis, we assume for the most part, will be at first base. But let's, if Trumbo's not ready then maybe Davis is more of a DH. They get Mancini to first base, and then you need someone in left field. Yeah. So in the rotation, we only know three spots if there are no trades. The bullpen, you know, three to five, we could probably say, are pretty good bets, but you have to round out that unit. There's still a couple spots that are wide open. I don't know if this regime is the, like the old one where they said Jimmy Acabonis is a starter, whether it's with us right. or in AAA, but he shouldn't be a bullpen guy. Let's make him a starter. They may be like, no, he he can be a bullpen guy for us. They may yeah. look at him as being a potential closer. Yeah. It's like a whole different yeah. – we don't know. So, uh, you know, and then what they're thinking about some of these minor league guys, let's face it, I thought Valera was going to compete for utility spot, and this regime said, nah. He's out. He's out completely. Yeah. He's traded from the organization. Yeah. So it's really hard to guess the long enough. There are plenty of spots still open. It's so weird because it, it is a rebuild that has already been started, but they haven't picked any of these guys. They've hand, mm-hmm. This regime has right. handpicked zero mm-hmm. of the guys that they have in here, except for the guys that they've gotten this offseason. So right. even the guys that they got at the deadline for Manny and Brock and all those guys, they're, they're, those are all guys that are young. And you, this, they, the previous regime, maybe Dan Duquette thought, the, okay, he's going to fit in here, he's going to fit mm-hmm. in there, but you have no idea what Elias is thinking. Right, and if with, in, with Duquette, he also was motivated to hold on to as many of those guys yeah. as he could. You get 15 back, you don't want to end up with five the following exactly, season. Exactly, yeah. But the, they're not married to any of these guys. Yeah. So they could be like, you know, well, we don't want those 15. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure they're going to hold on to most, but there could be other guys yeah. from those trades that are going to come off. They may have their own opinions already on those guys, or they may take a look in spring yeah. training and say, like, no, there's, he's not going to be able to help us. Yeah. So it really is hard at this point to guess along. I mean, I had to, for a, a national publication every year, I have to do – the deadline's in December before Christmas, and mm-hmm. I have to do a mock lineup, bullpen, rotation. <laughs> Good luck. And I'm like, wow. I mean, this was like, I, I don't, you know, who do I have? Uh, you know, I have yeah. so many holes in the roster. My bench, I wasn't sure. I'm sure I had Valero on it, and now he's gone. Uh, but it just, there's so much stuff that can yeah. still change, and trying to guess along with a new regime is really tricky. Maybe the question shouldn't be, how are the Orioles approaching the rebuild, but how is Rock Handling the rebuild. <laughs> how are you handling it mentally? I wonder how I fit in the youth movement yeah. and rebuild. I mean, you know, I'm in my 50s. I don't know uh, how I fit. But, uh, I mean, some of it excites me because it's going to be something different. Uh, and I've covered, I don't want to say bad teams. That sounds so awful. But I was here for 14 straight losing seasons. Yeah. So it's not going to be a shocker for me if this team struggles again for the next few years. I've covered those teams. But back then... There really wasn't a lot to feel good about. It was just yeah. like, like, wow, is this team ever going to be good again? You hope the way things are set up now, you're writing about, okay, that's a rebuild or this team isn't winning right now, but look how promising things are. Look how they're doing everything the right way, you hope. Yeah. That's how it turns out. 
and and you kind of build toward that and you are always encouraged that even if they just lost this game three to one or four to one whatever but look at what good came out of it exactly. and moving ahead and look at some people they've just added to the organization that are going to help them down the road yeah so Silver you're going to tr- you're going to be looking for positive things and uh but otherwise, it's going to be weird for me because I got used to Buck for yeah. eight and a half years, and I got used to most of those coaches. I mean, he would change like a pitching coach here and there. But for the most part, it was those same guys. Mm-hmm. I was used to most of the guy, you know, that clubhouse, all those veteran guys. I'm going to have to adapt completely, yeah. and they're going to have to adapt to me. And I'm sure it'll happen because we do that in life. But yeah. it's going to be weird to walk in like the first day of spring training, and there's been no mini camp for the media this year. That'll be our first visit to <laughs> Ed Smith. Will be first day of spring training. And just look around, and, and and man, look at the faces here. And then I don't know how Hyde runs a spring training. I know how Buck did. I don't know yeah. how Brandon Hyde does. I don't know how much availability we're going to have here or there. Like, it's going to be yeah. different. Yeah. And I'm not always good with change. I like my little, <laughs> you know, my bubble and my comfort zone. But it'll be good for me. So that was kind of my next question is, what do you need to see from – Elias Hyde, the Orioles in 2019. I know it's only January 10th, but what do you need to see to be like? Okay, I'm in. Or what? What would like if a fan was come up to you asking, "Hey, what? Should, what am I looking for to be excited about this team or for the future of this team?" Mm-hmm. What are you telling them? I mean, I think for, for one thing, I need to see progress in the minors. I need to see prospects coming in. This is going to be a big draft for the first overall pick, and the next few are going to be huge. But even the guys, the holdovers, I need to see guys developing to where I'm like, okay, you, there are, this farm system is in much better shape now. And they do have guys that can help them cost efficient, especially in pitching. So you're not going to spend big in that. And there are guys beating down the door and I need to see international acquisitions. And I, that's going to be something down the road. I know, but I need to see where all of a sudden when they ever talk about one of the top international guys on the market, the Orioles are one of the teams that are mentioned instead of, well, we know they're not going to go for that guy, but yeah. it ends up being, you know, that's when I'll start feeling better about things. When prospects are coming in that, you know, are, and are get developing and are, you know, we're on the verge of helping and that there are guys internationally that all of a sudden are coming in and the Orioles are serious players in the market, which they need to be. Yeah. And maybe just some overall improvement where you can point to analytics. You know, Buck used to always say, hey, analytics can't measure this or that. Well, I'd like to see with stuff that it can measure and see the Orioles doing it well <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yeah. say, this is working. Yeah. You know, you do, whether it's positioning, what if Chris Davis becomes a 280 hitter with 40 <laughs> home runs? I'd be, and it's because of the data he's receiving. Right. Show me that stuff, and man, I'm really going to yeah, be on board. Yeah. You know? That would be remarkable. Yes. I would say. Yeah. I would be, I would give up all of my career the and just get into analytics, <laughs> like just change into a GM. All right, Rock, I'll get you out on this. You have somebody who has covered Manny Machado for a long amount of time. Where do you think he's going to go? You know, I still think, and it's not going out on a limb to say Yankees, unless there's a huge discrepancy in the money. I know that's his preference, but if he can get 10 years and north of 300 million with, let's say, the Phillies, Mm -hmm. and the Yankees are like, look, we're going to go seven and two, 40, whatever. Yeah. I think he goes to the Phillies. I mean, I just do. I just think when it comes down to it, if it's just pennies, yeah. we used to joke, Manny will go wherever he gets the highest penny he will go. With the Yankees, <laughs> he would take a little less, I think. But I don't okay. think he'd take significantly less. I think he could talk himself quite well into be like, you know, Philadelphia's nice. Third base, I don't mind that at all. Yeah. I think he would do that if that's what it comes down to. But I think the Yankees, for now, are still the favorites, even though supposedly... 
they haven't made an offer yet, we heard, but the White Sox and Phillies have, or is that what we're hearing? Yeah. I don't know. And who knows if that's even the case at this point. And there'll be a mystery team or two, even though it's not a Scott Boris client. There will be a mystery team or two. Right. But I think the Yankees are still the favorites, but I think the Phillies, they have stupid money to spend, and they exactly. really haven't done it yet. So I think it has to be stupid money spent on one of those, Machado or Harper. Yeah, money talks, even the stupid kind. Yes. Uh, doesn't always say the smartest things, but it talks. <laughs> He's Rock Kabako at Mass and Rock, and of course on MassandSports.com. Rock, you, Rock, thank you <laughs> so much for joining us on this busy day at Oriole Park at Camden Yards. My pleasure. I wish I had more Billy Joel puns, and I'm just completely blank right yeah, now. Yeah, we, we'll have to come up with a bunch there. Yeah, we'll kind of have to restart the fire, so to speak. Oh, to there it is. All right. <laughs> at Bobby underscore Blanco is Bobby's Twitter. I'm at Paul Mancano, Mass and All Access Podcast. Check us out, SoundCloud, wherever you can find podcasts, you can find us. Thanks so much for listening. <laughs> <laughs>